Hello and a warm welcome to this, the latest episode of the Wake Up London podcast. The theme of this episode is burnout. We talk to Wake Uppers about their experience of it. The long interview in this episode is with Rachel Butt, who, after spending the Rains retreat in Plum Village, now lives in a retreat centre associated with Plum Village nearby in the south of France. We talk to two of our Wake Up community, Charlotte and Annabelle about burnout. We have two musical community announcements and we have a reading by Gabby reading I Vow Not to Burn Out, an article featured in Parallax Press by the Dharma teacher Mushim Patricia Aikida. We also have two musical tracks. You heard the first one at the beginning of the episode. We're going to hear it in full now. This is a human heart by wondrous sound also known as rachel butt and the interview with rachel will continue after this song Take 
Rachel, thank you so much for joining me. Um, what a great, great pleasure to be in touch with you. Could you um, just say a little bit about where you are at the moment? <laughs> Hi, Jay. Hey. Yeah, it's a great pleasure to join you, brother. Um, right now, I'm sat on a pallet um, <laughs> in an unknown garden, actually, okay. in the shade, but in the south of France. And there's a cool breeze, but it's been a sunny beautiful day by the sea mm. so yeah that's where I am which you've just been in you sort of say I've been in it a weed in it <laughs> and everything wonderful. <laughs> wonderful and you're um how long have you been in the south of France um well I got here this week I'm just visiting but I live in south central France so I live in Port Loire which okay. is a kind of volcanic region it's a yeah. bit more chilly there Wonderful. Um, <laughs> you're, so so we, we met each other through, um, oh, it was through the New Year retreat, wasn't it? When you invited the bow with a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been known to do that from time to time. Actually, many uh, things. Yeah, whatever seems to be, everything can become a sacred object, of course. <laughs> you got in my good books when I saw you pull out that pencil and invite the bow so beautifully, Jay. And, yeah, um, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure when the first moment we met was, but it was through Plum Village and Wake Up. Yeah, through Wake Up. Yeah, that's it. Um, what, what was your connection? Was that the first time that you've been to wake something Wake Up, or how, and how did you find out about it? And what? Uh, yeah, what was your story with that? Yeah, my story. Yes. Well, it wasn't the first. It was the first in the UK, but the first one was actually Wake Up. Um, wake Up Earth, 2016. Mm. in Upper Hamlet yeah and I discovered Ty's writing um I'd been reading a lot of philosophy um just you know for fun really I've always been interested in life mm. you know what we're doing here mm. um <laughs> how can we live well together really as well rather than the existential stuff more practical stuff about you know coexisting in harmony and and um yeah I discovered Zen and then I discovered Ty and I was reading, a lot of the people I was reading that I really loved and respected, sadly, were long gone, you know, from the 20th century. And then, and then I remember turning to the back pages, you know, in the, in the book and seeing a little address of the Hamlet, you know, and then I Googled it. And it's like, what? There's a, you know, there's a place I can go to, like, actually live this message, like meet other people who have this desire as well, because I felt quite alone in that at the time yeah and um that retreat specifically spoke to me because i've been working in the social justice sector and i was on the verge of a big kind of burnout which did happen in the end but mm. i'd luckily went to that retreat just before to in introduce me to my breath you know and my mindful steps and it was all about how can we care for ourselves while we work compassionately in the world that was the question of the hour in my life and luckily in Upper Hamlet. And would you say that your your life uh, changed from that experience? Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's quite amazing, isn't it, how it really can, your life can really change in, you know, in an instant or in, in a week. Mm. I remember what, I remember a moment, because it's so profound, isn't it, going somewhere alone, especially in silence, in the noble silence of the mornings and, um, yeah, I didn't know anyone and 
I'd done some traveling alone, so I was confident in that. But it was such a, it was a leap of faith, really, I think, for myself to go. But I remember when we, we did um, walking meditation, I think it was the first morning after sitting, when there's like 500 people that you don't know, you know, and you haven't really spoken to yet. And, and then we were outside, we were walking in the forest and the sun was just coming up and I just started crying. It was just so beautiful. Mm. And it was like something in me just, yeah, did, did wake up this connection to, to life, you know, to nature, to something beyond myself. Mm. That was a very beautiful moment. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rachel. Can I ask what, um, if you, if you would, what you were you doing before you went to that retreat? You talked about your work <laughs> in social yeah. justice movements and then a little bit about what you've come on to do since then. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, well, I'm a musician, so I, I started life, you know, kind of, yeah, smoking in the toilets at school, not really being interested in learning subjects. And you know, yeah. I was a drummer in a punk band, so, yeah, I was kind of like, music's my life. But then I, I really felt a calling to do something at the time that I felt was more direct and engaged with society and the world because, as I say, I always had this feeling of, like, we're not looking after each other, you know, and I want to do that. I don't just want to live for myself. And I saw the privileges that I had and I wanted to kind of be of service. So it was that calling. I started doing voluntary work in Coventry Refugee Centre as an advocate, mm. working with asylum seekers. And then I really felt, yeah, this fire that the law was a source of, you know, a tool for change because I could see that when I was calling the home office, just asking for help, they usually said no, that if I could, you know, recall some legislation or remind them of their legal duties and they could, things would happen. My clients would get access to, you know, housing, food, mm. schools. So yeah, I was really, really inspired actually. And I, I kind of left my whole life at that time as well to go and study law and um, kind of human rights. And then I worked in that field in the advocacy sector still kind of in the charity sector on the front line and I was really passionate about bringing there the use of law and human rights to the front line because as I say I could see that that it, on a day-to-day -day level our clients could access yeah these basic services um, that wouldn't require you then to go on to court or wait for years to get a judgment but just to help people get access to the you know the basic needs that they had mm. um, yeah and, I, and then I, I got back into music as well. Um, but long story short, I, I just, I think I just took on too much. I took on the weight of the world and, you know, I was trying to fix it. I was really, there was a big ego as well in it, a big self trying to save everyone. And um, I think that energy kind of pushed me over the edge. And yeah, luckily I had that retreat, which, as I say, it didn't stop the burnout from kind of happening, but it gave me tools to accept it and work with it when it did. And I actually got signed off from work for like six weeks, but I remember just lying on my bed at my mum's house, just breathing and um, just allowing that my, my heart was palpitating. And it took a few months for my body to come back to kind of balance and and there was resistance in me. There was projects unfinished. There was a lot of letting go required to just be, you know, and allow my body to find a, a sense of stability again. But thanks to the practice, it was a way home to that, you know, and a trust. Mm. 
Um, and then I, yeah, I did a kind of eat, pray, love Julia Roberts journey. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, because I'd been to that one retreat, I was able to volunteer then for the summer retreat. Mm. And I'd been to India to do my kind of yoga training, just kind of the usual, but it was brilliant just to get me. I'd, I'd been planning that for a year anyway, because I knew I was in trouble and I knew I needed a break. Mm. I knew I needed to learn to be in my body more. And I was just starting to prioritize that, you know, and then in a way the burnout was a gift because it meant I had to prioritize it. I had no choice anymore. My body needed me to, to be with it basically and to understand these drivers that were pushing me over the edge. Yeah. Mm. And then I'd spent, so that was five years ago. And I, I kind of spent the last five years really exploring that deeply and yeah, taking the opportunity to, spend a lot of time in Plum Village as a volunteer and training then in other areas, including sound as a form of meditation mm. and healing because of music being such my first love. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and you'll know, thank you for your, um, <laughs> might make you, uh, might make you um, blush, but thank you for your eloquence oh, <laughs> with yeah. your journey. It's uh, yeah. It's, if it, but it's something I often find when I'm talking to people about their journey with Plum Village. The words arise very readily, I think. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so you'll be known to some um, through these days through your um, wondrous sound um, albums that you're releasing. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and then and also how that has led you to now be offering quite a lot of work with sound and on retreats and things. Um, could you say a few words about that? That would be really interesting to hear. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's been beautiful, actually. It's it's all, it's nice because it's like, it's all part of my own kind of healing, you know, and I really include myself. That's my little tagline, which is just for my own intention, which is obviously inspired by, by time. It's kind of awakening harmony in ourselves and the world. So I include myself in it because I know that if I, if I don't, then my kind of energy, you know, to succeed, to, you know, be number one, you know, is going to drive me back off that cliff. So it's really about how can, yeah, it's a question for myself, really continuing from that retreat, you know, how can I live in harmony for the benefit of all beings? And how can I offer myself, how can I help other people return to this space of balance within and also live in alignment with, with, with our, yeah, our capacities, our needs, our aspirations and our values, because I, I see that that's often missing and it was missing in me. And um, the beauty of sound is that, yeah, it's kind of given me a new way to work with sound in a healing way. So instead of just in the kind of music industry and the, I found that not particularly healing either. It's very, it's presented in that capitalist model of you've got to, yeah, try to get on the radio on in all the magazines it's always about you know chasing the carrot sort of thing and mm -hmm. and and not about enjoying where you are and enjoying the process so I've tried to bring it back to that or I have brought it back to that with wondrous sound just creating for the joy of it and sharing for the joy of it and and allowing it to grow more organically and um and then working with the gong I trained with this really cool guy called Don Conroe who sounds like Johnny Cash he's got like a mm -hmm. long white hair and gray beard and he's like yeah man 
he gets like stoned on gongs and he's like 85 but he's just a beautiful being and I was able to do some training with him and really with the gong it's this really powerful sound that essentially kind of helps us just to hang out in the present moment you know mm. without too much effort and I think as we know the healing really happens your own body is always wanting to bring you back into balance mm. and it's often our thoughts and you know the tension in the body that blocks that so the sound just allows us to rest the mind and relax the body and and um for an extended time like 45 minutes um and so people often come out of that feeling renewed feeling centered but then of course if we go back into our busy lives that aren't aligned with our limits and then we're just going to be constantly coming out of this harmony, you know? So what I'm trying to do now is I've started doing some workshops and I also starting to do these on retreats where we, we, I call it, it's like self-awareness, self-care, self-advocacy. So we, we start with the gong to help us come into harmony, but then we choose an issue in our life, which is actually taking us out of harmony. Mm. Maybe it's a commitment that we've made that's, you know, just too much energetically off for our time or a situation where we're not really aligned we're not really in our truth and then using the advocacy process which I worked in yeah for so many years but to to empower us to actually take action so mm -hmm. to to look at that issue to look at the tension around that issue in the body drawing it out with sound and then yeah setting a plan of how to speak you know, to the person you need to, to the, to the mm. issue, to actually bring that back into alignment, to say no. That's one of the workshops you can say no. You can say no. Yeah. So that actually, this really excites me because it's like yeah. how to be the gong in your own life, how to resonate, you know, your truth. And, and this, in a sense, is bringing everything of the journey so far together, isn't it? it exactly. Seems. I like doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's it that is it what is I'm, I'm aware of the time we've got a few minutes left but i just wanted to ask what so what is next there is a retreat coming up isn't there oh yeah so we've got um so i live at the moment in a lovely little project called le cedre bleu i might not say that right because i'm not a french expert yet i'm <laughs> learning but yeah but i live with some beautiful practitioners in our tradition yes um they're all OI members and I'm a little aspiring one with the cat mm -hmm. and the dog. Mm -hmm. um, and we're kind of like a collective We'd, rather than a community because we give each other space to, yeah, have our own lives. We practice alongside each other and we offer a retreat once a month, mm -hmm. which is, um, yeah, usually mindfulness and then with another subject. So it's about integrating mindfulness into our engaged lives mm -hmm. and, um, there's quite a lot of openness there. And in June, we've got a retreat, which I was given kind of some space to, you know, envision because it's my background and my, my love, which is love in action. Yeah. So mm. how can we face the challenges of our times um, grounded in the present moment with the energy of love in the face of division, fear um, and anger, which obviously we're feeling at the moment. And, and um, it is a moment, isn't it? To practice. <laughs> together <laughs> yeah and, and and these these are um these these are in-person retreats and online i think some of the ones you do 
Well, right. this is a new, yeah, this is like we're taking it to new heights, Josie, because um, we we basically, it's very beautiful because the two main people, they actually were monastics about 25 years ago. Mm. And um, they've got a very deep practice and lovely to hear stories, you know, back then of, of how things were. And they've sort of stayed in touch with many of our friends, you know, who are now senior Dharma teachers. And so we've managed to get some support from Sister Kyra Jewell and Brother Fat Pie, who kind of, yeah, they're kind of like the motley crew, apparently, from back in the day. <laughs> so they're going to be offering some kind of key Dharma talks to start off the retreat. Fat pie, sort of exploring um, archetypes and what we can learn from the great beings mm. in history, and then and that will be online because he's in Australia, and that will be available, yeah, online or in person at our centre. And then Kyra will finish. She'll kind of do the drop the mic with her. We were made for these times to hopefully give people that feeling, having practiced as well, that you know we have got the tools to face this time with the love that's in our hearts how, how can people find out more about it well i'll give you a link jay which you can share if you're happy to well, yeah yeah that's, you do that got a link. yeah that'd be awesome wonderful well rachel thank you so much for your time it's really lovely to hear um what's of your journey and what's kind of happening right now and um yeah just thank you and please keep making that journey Thanks, Jay. I'll do my best. Lots of love. Thank you so much, Rachel, for your time there. And with the retreat, your next retreat coming up in the next few days, we're wishing you well for that. And encourage anyone to head on over to Rachel's Instagram, which is Wondrous Sound, W-O-N-D-R-O-U-S-O-U-N-D. Um where you'll find more information. You can also look at linktree forward slash wondrous sound. Many wonderful events coming up there. You can also find Rachel on Insight Timer as well. So yeah, thanks again, Rachel. Now we put the question out to some wake uppers about burnout in their lives. And we hear here from Charlotte and also from Annabelle. Burnout. Um... Yeah, interesting. Just in my mind then came to me a candle coming to its end and burning out. Yeah. Um, I have had a lot on my plate as of recently and have come close to burnout a few times and maybe actually even got there, reached burnout um, and have a lot of commitments and family stuff and things that I really needed to do for myself. Um, one, one being an, an assignment for uh, university. And I really had, to, had only a few days to get this assignment in, but I had been at burnout point for a couple of weeks and not managing to achieve what I needed to. And... I just, there came a point where I stopped and I just let go. I needed, even though I didn't have the time to take time out, I made the time. I said to myself, what is more important here? My mental health and my well-being 
or my getting an assignment in on time and getting the highest grades or whatever. And quite quickly, everything fell away and I realised that, you know, just trust, trust in the process, <laughs> trust in the universe or whatever and trust in that taking care of yourself and putting yourself as number one and your and self-care is important and i think everything else just kind of falls into place around that when you when you do that and i i did manage to get my essay in and i didn't it wasn't necessarily to its best standard but it got in and even if i hadn't i had let go i thought well you know, I'll deal with whatever happens after that. Number one here is me in this moment now and taking care of that and think life got a lot better when I stopped and made permission for that. And I'm usually pretty good at doing it, but sometimes I forget and that's how I got into burnout in the first place. So, yeah. Anyway... That's me on burnout and wishing anyone listening um, some joy and happiness and plenty of time and space to take care of yourself and do what you need for you. Burnout. Mm, Yes, I've definitely experienced this before. I think sometimes life, work and everything in between can become quite overwhelming and exhausting and I can recall days where there's so much that needs to be done but I just can't really get out of bed to do it and also I don't really care to do it (laughs) it's kind of a state of exhaustion and also a bit of detachment in my personal experience it kind of reminds me of like a phone battery when I think of burnout and you either have things that charge you or things that deplete you and I guess burnout is when you keep engaging in things that make the battery go deplete, 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 flat (laughs) and that's when, yeah, you have the kind of experiences that I just talked about. And much like if a phone battery would go flat, if it went flat quite often and you would perhaps go into your settings and look through your apps to see what's taking up most of the um, battery. When I experience burnout, I will take a fine tooth comb, go through my behaviours and will usually find, oh, I'm engage in a lot of things which deplete my battery and not really many that charge it and a lot of us need to do things that do deplete our battery sometimes it's a responsibility or a duty and can't be helped and is a part of life but I think once you recognize that you can try and counteract that with activities that will charge your battery as well so that yeah, you, you don't experience burnout as often. And for me, I can stop engaging in the activities that are depleting me, but often it's the thoughts in my head that are draining me. And when they're racing so much, I can find 
mindfulness quite difficult. Um, so things I like to do are journaling and writing about them because that feels quite symbolic of it being out of my head. And I also really just enjoy taking naps. <laughs> and also if I ever get the chance for a lot, uh, yeah, a lion, then I really enjoy getting rid of any alarms on my phone. That feels to me that I'm telling my body, okay, body, you know best. I don't know best. You can direct me of how much sleep we need. I don't know if it's actually that good for your sleep to not have a consistent <laughs> sleeping pattern, but yeah. So that's my short take on burnout. <laughs> Two community musical announcements next, and within them a few announcements. The first is about three events by Melissa James, and the first of those is coming up this Saturday. Melissa James here. I'm part of the Colours of Compassion and the Heart of London Sangha when I get an opportunity. And I have some events upcoming that I really want to tell you about. I'm so excited to be bringing to the festival my Sing for Sane Big Sing and Mental Health Initiative. This is a project that got started in 2016 off the back of my song Live Again. This I would invite people to join me in a pop-up big sing at a public space. Anybody would be welcome to come and sing with me, connecting with others who have an understanding of mental ill health. So this is the first big sing in a few years having been in lockdown. It takes place on Saturday the 18th of June at All Saints Church in Tooting. 10am to midday we'll meet, we'll sing for joy, not judgment. I'll teach parts to live again as well as anything else that arises and we will just enjoy the moment. Then in the evening on Saturday the 18th of June, also at All Saints Church, we'll meet again from 6pm to do a big sing performance of Live Again as part of the evening's event. This is offered by donation and anybody is welcome regardless of what you think of your voice and how well you feel that you can sing. So join me then. Then on Sunday, the 19th of June, I'll be at St Mary's Church in Putney, offering the first in-person event of my project, Mind, Body and Sacred Song. This started during lockdown online via Zoom, where I would invite people to come into the space with me. I would offer my voice. They can lie, sit, be with a cushion, be with a blanket, however you might be in that moment, come as you are. And I will offer my voice, but you also have the opportunity, should you wish to take it, to merge your voice with mine, singing simple songs that loop in a circle singing style. Just a beautiful, healing, heart-centered space. My guest for this session is Azura, a storyteller who will take us on a long, winding tale as well. So that's Sunday, the 19th of June from 7.30 to 9.30 in the evening, St. Mary's Church in Putney. And then finally, on Saturday, the 25th of June, oh, I'm so excited to bring a concert to the festival in the form of Soul to Soul, a concert for these times. Come and join me and my musicians at Tara Theatre in Earlsfield from 7.30 in the evening, where together with my musicians, we will offer music there are songs of mine, some written during lockdown, again in a healing and heart-centred space. Also joining will be local spoken word artist Anoushe and Azura joins us again with some more storytelling. 
So that's Tara Theatre, Ellsfield, Saturday the 25th of June from 7.30. And all of the details for all of these events are on my website, melissa-james.com. Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A hyphen james.com. So join me at one of those if you can, and I hope to see you soon. Thank you for listening. Thanks so much, Melissa, for those events upcoming. I had a conversation with Melissa recorded for the podcast, which is going to be coming in a few weeks' time. And the other musical announcement is one by me. I hope that's okay. Over lockdown, I was in touch with the Plum Village media team to make some recordings that they might use for some of their social media. And that turned into a little album of Plum Village songs. And this has now been released on some digital platforms on Spotify and Tidal, on Deezer and on Apple Music. And not this weekend, but the next weekend, the 25th and the 26th of June, I'm holding two online events. One is a sing-along and one is a sleep-along. Have you been to a sleep-along before? I haven't, but I think it will work quite well. So the sing-along is on the Saturday from 5 until 6 o'clock and the sleep-along is on Sunday from 9 till 10. Both of those are UK time. From now and ongoing, the album is up on those digital platforms. If you search Joe Holtaway, Songs of Plum Village. And for more information about how to access the events, you can come to joeholtaway.com. The reading this week comes from Gabby. Thanks so much, Gabby. Gabby's reading, I Vow Not to Burn Out, a Mushin Patricia Akida. Mushin Patricia Akida is a Dharma teacher, well known for teaching at the East Bay Meditation Center in the States. And this article was published as part of Thich Nhat Hanh's publishing house, Parallax Press. I'll read you the introduction. As life under COVID-19 continues to challenge and warp our collective living, and in the United States, we face the work of bringing real meaningful justice and equality to bear. Mushin Patricia Akida's compassionate reminder resonates more than ever before. I Vow Not to Burn Out by Mushin Patricia Ikeda. At the end of January, one of my close spiritual friends died. A queer black man, a Sufi imam scholar-artivist, scholar-artist-activist, and professor of ministry students, Baba Ibrahim Farajaje died of a massive heart attack. He was 63, and I'm guessing he had been carrying too much. It was only six months earlier that Baba and I had sat together on a stage in downtown Oakland, California, under a large hand-painted banner that read, Black Lives Matter. A brilliant, transgressive bodhisattva, Baba had been targeted for multiple forms of oppression throughout his life, and had not been silent about it. When he died, I was sad and angry. I took to staying up all night, chanting and meditating. During my daytime work, I was exhausted. How many of us who have taken the Bodhisattva vow are on a similar path toward burnout? Is it possible for us, as disciples of the Buddha, to engage with systemic change, grow and deepen our spiritual practice 
And if we're late, people also care for our families. How can we do all of this without collapsing? In my world, there always seems to be way too much to do, along with too much suffering and societal corruption, and not enough spaces of deep rest and regeneration. When I get desperate, which is pretty often, I ask myself how to not be overwhelmed by despair and cynicism. For my own sake, for my family, and for my sangha, I need to vow to not burn out. And I ask others to vow similarly, so they'll be around when I need them for support. In fact, I formulated a great vow from mindful activists. Aware of suffering and injustice, I, Belinda Dodds, am working to create a more just, peaceful and sustainable world. I promise, for the benefit of all, to practice self-care, mindfulness, healing and joy. I vow to not burn out. It's the first thing I give to students in my year-long program of secular mindfulness for social justice activists. I ask them to sign and date it because each of them, through their work as community leaders and agents of change, is a precious resource. The cosmic bodhisattvas like Sadapari Buddha and Avalokiteshvara and the rest of the gang don't burn out. Maybe they have big muscles from continuously rowing suffering beings to the farther shore. They are willing to take abuse while demonstrating unfailing respect and love towards sentient beings. When something bad happens, they immediately absorb the blame. They vow to return, lifetime after lifetime, until the great work is fully accomplished. And until that probably distant time, they remain a beat, serene and self-sacrificing. I love this section from the poem Bodhisattva Vows by Albert Saizho. You're spending all your time and energy getting other people off the sinking ship into lifeboats bound gaily for nirvana while there you are sinking. And of course you had to go and give your life jacket away. So now let us be cheerful as we sink, our spirit ever buoyant as we sink. This poem never fails to give me a refreshing laugh. The archetype of bodhisattva activity it presents resonates with my early Buddhist training. But I have changed. In the social justice activist circles I travel in, giving your life jacket away and going down with a sinking ship is now understood as a well-intentioned but mistaken old-school gesture. Right now, the sinking ship is our entire planet and there are no lifeboats. As the people with disability in my Sangha have said, in order to practice universal access, there needs to be a radical shift towards an embodied practice of all of us or none of us. In other words, no one can be left behind on the sinking ship. 
not even those who want the self-martyr. Why? Because self-martyrdom is bad role modeling. Burnout and self-sacrifice, the paradigm of the lone hero who takes nothing for herself and gives everything to others, injure all of us who are trying to bring the Dharma into everyday lay life through communities of transformative well-being, where the exchange of self for other is re-envisioned as the care of self in service to the community. The longer we live, the healthier we are. The happier we feel, the more we can gain the experience and wisdom needed to contribute toward a collective reimagining of relationships, education, work, and play. Here in Oakland, I don't think it's melodramatic or inaccurate to say that we now live in the midst of multiple ongoing crises. Thich Han has said that the future Buddha, Maitreya, may be a community, not an individual. Perhaps your community, like mine, is in need of inventive ways to carve out spaces for what some are now calling radical rest. I advocate for more forgiving and spacious schedules of spiritual practice that value being well-rested and that move toward honoring the body-mind's need for enough sleep and downtime. Social justice activist Angela Davis in an interview in Yes Magazine says, I think our notions of what counts as radical have changed over time. Self-care and healing and attention to the body and the spiritual dimension. All of this is now a part of radical social justice struggle. That wasn't the case before. And I think that now we're thinking deeply about the connection between interior life and what happens in the social world. Even those who are fighting against state violence often incorporate impulses that are based on state violence in their relations with other people. Healing, rest, self-care, restorative justice, restorative yoga, trauma-informed dynamic mindfulness, compassion, love, community healing. These are words I hear every day within spiritual activist forums, from scholar-artivists and from people embodying the Bodhisattva vow to save all beings. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his fellow organizers sometimes plan protests to occur at around 11 in the morning because then the people who were arrested would get lunch in jail and wouldn't have to wait many hours to eat. For those of you who may feel that social change work isn't your thing, or that it's too big to take on, it may help you, as it helped me, to know that it often comes down to these little details. Every movement is made of real people, and every action is broken down into separate tasks. This is work we need to do and can do together. How can you make your life sustainable, physically, emotionally, 
financially, intellectually, spiritually? Are you helping create communities rooted in values of sustainability, including environmental and cultural sustainability? Do you feel that you have enough time and space to take in thoughts and images and experiences of things that are joyful and nourishing? What are your resources when you feel isolated and powerless? Samsara is burning down all of our houses. We need a path of radical transformation. And there's no question in my mind that the Bodhisattva path is it. Speaking as a mother and a woman of color, I think we're all going to need to be braver than some of us have been prepared to be but brave in a sustainable way, remaining with our children, our families, and our communities. We need to build this new woke way of living together, how it functions, handles conflict, makes decisions, eats and loves, grieves and plays. And we can't do that by burning out. Thank you, Gabby. And thank you for listening and in that way being part of the latest episode of the Wake Up London podcast. If you're interested in contributing to future episodes, maybe you'd like to share something, you'd like to be a reader, or you'd like to contribute some music or theme suggestions for future episodes, you can get in contact with us by going to wakeuplondon.org forward slash podcast. The podcast is possible due to donations and you can also find out how to donate by going to wakeuplondon.org forward slash podcast. If you would consider making a small donation per episode, it will enable us to continue beautifully into the future. As the ending track to this episode, I thought I'd leave you with Go as a River. This is on that Songs of Plum Village album I was telling you about. And if you'd like to come along, it's next weekend, 25th, 26th. Thanks a lot. This is Go as a River. a drop of water learn to live mindfully and be there for each other I want to go as a river not as a drop of water learn to live mindfully in peace love and harmony friends in streams of spirituality how wonderful to be able to see that we are all water we are all water, we are all water, we are all water.
and be there for each other. I wanna go as a river, not as a drop of water. Learn to live mindfully in peace, love, and harmony. My friends in streams of spirituality. How wonderful to be able to see that we are all water. That we are all water. We are all water. We are all water.